0: Please take your Bibles and look in Matthew chapter 5. Happiness comes to those who have a strong desire to do what is right. I hope you'll join us tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to begin a new series, a short series on the better life from the book of Proverbs. Wisdom from Proverbs and and what merits a better life. On Sunday mornings right now, we're doing a series through uh, the Lord's Not the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount, Lord's Prayer is included. But in the Sermon on the Mount, and we looked at it three weeks ago. We looked at the first two of the Beatitudes, and then last week we looked at three of the Beatitudes, but not in order. And today we're going to pick up those other two, or two weeks ago. Last week we had a missionary here. But three of the last four Sundays we've looked at the Beatitudes. This morning we're going to pick up number... Beatitudes in two verses, six and eight. And if you miss those other services, uh, they are available on our podcast through online link. Uh, you can go to our website and find that link and get those uh, as part of the Beatitudes. Uh, they got the title Beatitudes because that's just the Latin word for blessed and being blessed. And so blessed also means happy. So we could say the happiest people on earth are the ones that do this. And that's what the Lord said. Today, happiness comes to those who have a strong desire to do what's right. That's not what our culture thinks. That's what Jesus said. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, encourage us, I pray that we would get real with you, that we would uh, have the values of our hearts and lives reflect the value of your heart and your life. And Father, there may be people here today who've never trusted Christ as Savior, I pray that they would. I pray they would see their need of having their sins forgiven and asking you to be their Savior. For those of us who have trusted Christ at some point, a long time ago for some of us, not so long for others, I pray that we would get serious about following Christ. Uh, You don't want us just to go to heaven. You want our lives to be transformed on earth. So I pray that we would get real with you about you and that we would seriously follow you. May you speak to our hearts in this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall be filled and they shall see God. Did you realize, maybe you've noticed this, that our culture mocks those who have a driving desire to do what's right. We make fun of them. Uh, They laugh at, we laugh at them, our culture does. Listen to this. In a survey of college students, 86% said they cheated in school. 76% of those college students copied word for word from someone else's assignment. Word for word. We had a a girl in our Bible college came up to me fussing about her boyfriend because he made her write his research paper and then broke up with her. (laughs) They both got suspended. (laughs) 72% indicated that they used their phone, tablet, or computer to cheat in class. Can you pop up that college one, this smile faces? That's better. Looks more like us, smiling a little bit. 54% of college students said cheating was acceptable and even necessary to stay competitive. How many of you have had surgery? Doesn't it just warm you, encourage you to know that your surgeon cheated? to get his M.D., and now he's cutting into you. A a significant number of students are cheating, 86%, and 54% said it's the right thing to do because it's too competitive. 42% said they purchased custom term papers, essays, and thesis online. Well, I never did that didn't exist when I was in college. (laughs) 28% said they had a service. Take their online classes for them. How do you do that? Do you run an ad in the paper? Hey, I'm willing to take online classes if you'll pay me this. I don't know. 12%, only 12% indicated they would never cheat because it was wrong. So, 88% of college students, including some in Christian colleges, do not have a desire for righteousness. All right, so, let's move beyond the college campus, right? Let's consider politics, okay? (laughs) I had to, you know, I had to. Good old Pinocchio. According to detailed analysis of campaign promises, over the last 50 years, presidents willfully ignored 33, more than 33% of their campaign promises. More than one third of their campaign promises they never intended to follow. But they lied in order to get elected. And all of you are saying, what? I didn't know that, right? How many of you are surprised? How many of you thought the percentage was a little higher than that? Would you want to guess who was the worst one in the last 50 years for keeping promises? President Ronald Reagan. Statistically, he kept fewer of his campaign promises. Now, some of them weren't his fault, there were things he really wanted to do and it just couldn't get passed through Congress. But I found that interesting. According to a 2002 study conducted by the University of Massachusetts, 60% of adults cannot have a 10 minute conversation without lying. They interviewed these people over and over and over, all kinds of people, large number of people in this study. And they talked to them for three minutes or for 10 minutes and most of them actually average three lies in the 10-minute period. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're you're that 40%, right? Those 60%, those are the people from Massachusetts, right? But out here in Arizona, we're more on... Actually, you know what they found? When they interviewed the people and they showed them the video, the 40% who said they were the ones who didn't lie, they showed them the video and they were shocked to see themselves lying. They didn't even remember it. Now... I just just think about your day. Like, sometimes you get put in a really awkward stage. One of those old Geico commercials, you know, it had Honest Abe on the commercial, and his wife says, Abe, does this dress make me look fat? (laughs) And Honest Abe is like, "Mm -hmm -hmm -hmm." he doesn't want to say anything. So, ladies, don't ever ask a question like that. Or, guys, if you get asked a question like that, you could say, I don't think that's flattering, whatever. But listen, how many of you have said, I didn't have time to do it, but you actually had time and didn't do it? See, we're fairly comfortable with some lies that don't seem significant. I've actually changed that phrase started bothering me. And so I've tried to say, I haven't taken the time to do that, which is honest. I guess in some cases, if I'm more honest, I would say, and never will, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I haven't taken the time to do that because we have the time to do what we need to do. And we have the same amount of hours in the day. So if you chose to sleep instead of doing that, you had the time And didn't do it. But we, we, it feels easier sometimes and less awkward to tell a lie than to tell the truth. If you're talking with somebody and they're not making any sense at all, and they say, do you understand me? The majority of people will shake their head yes. Even though they don't understand it at all because they don't want to look ignorant, like they're not getting it. But hunger and thirst after righteousness, this is what we're supposed to do. I have an illustration of a hummingbird. Why did I pick a hummingbird? Well, for the first time in our lives, we have a hummingbird feeder outside our house. I think it was your idea, wasn't it, Megan? I don't remember. Between the two of them, we've had a couple of hummingbird feeders. that. First one, the hummingbirds beat it to death, um, but this—the first one, the hummingbirds would go in and out, and there was no resting place for them. So the birds would just flap, 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 and they'd go in, get a drink, pop out, you know, catch your breath, pop in. And, and this new one we have has a, a ring like this one, and they can sit on that ring and go in. It's interesting to watch them. They just—they go after it. They get it and they drink and drink and drink. And and it's a good illustration that hunger and thirst. We know, well, relatively speaking, we know what hunger's like. Uh, We know what American hunger is like. And I used to say I was starving, and then we started saying American starving because our starving means I haven't eaten for a few hours. Their starving means they haven't eaten for a few days. So it's a little different. But hungering and thirsty, you know what it's like to feel really thirsty. You, you just need some, something to quench your, your thirst. You know what it's like to, to feel hungry and then you smell food and you're just, oh. And the hungrier you are, usually, the better the food tastes because you're so hungry. Jesus said, Blessed are the people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. After righteousness. Now, this is not self righteousness like some people would do. Uh, If you can, uh, mark your spot here and turn over to, uh, to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. This is not self righteousness that I am so right. Some people. You know, well, who was I talking with recently? We were... Oh, a family friend contacted me this week. Uh, and they said they had company over at their house. And the son of the people they had, oh, this little boy punched his little kid in the face. And so he pulled the little boy away and then the little boy ran and told his dad, he was just playing, and this adult tackled him and drug him away from the other kid. So the other parent was mad. And when the relative of mine explained to the first parent what actually happened, he didn't believe him. Why? His child would never do that. How many of you have read in the Bible that foolishness is bound to the heart of a child? Yeah, that's in there, Proverbs 22, five. guess or Psalm 22.5. Proverbs. Anyway, foolishness is bound in the heart of a parent sometimes too. You you have to teach your kids and trust your kids, but lying is innate. It's part of the human nature. And little kids are masters at it. So I said this is not self-righteousness. This is a pure righteousness. <laughs> His apostles would have known these verses from Psalm 24. Are you there? Psalm 24, look in verse 3. Who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord. Now, look at this last phrase very carefully and righteousness from the God of his salvation. He's going to receive blessings and righteousness from the Lord, from the God of his salvation. The psalmist said righteousness is a gift we receive from God. The apostles would have eventually understood this, maybe not at first, but eventually they got there. Jesus said that Righteousness comes as a gift from God and Jesus said their righteousness had to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees to be higher because it's a gift from God. Righteousness begins by trusting the Lord as your Savior. 2 Corinthians five twenty one, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus took all our sins on the cross. Jesus paid the penalty for all of our sins so that we could be saved, so that we could receive his righteousness as a gift. Three weeks ago, we looked at Uh, blessings and happiness comes from those who have brokenness and forgiveness. You cannot be saved and receive the righteousness of God unless you first recognize your own sinfulness and ask the Lord to forgive your sins and be your Savior. But when you do, righteousness comes as a gift, but it is more than a gift. It is also a pursuit, a pursuit, something to hunger and thirst after. If you've ever watched sports, Olympic sports, um, any kind of sport, uh, one of the things they say of the athlete who wins or the team that wins, they were hungry for it. You know, and and what's often said in, in team sports at least baseball, basketball, football, hockey, the team sports, uh, soccer, what they say is the team that was the hungriest won the game. That's not always true. You can be the hungriest and be totally outclassed. You can be the hungriest and the other team is the skilliest. And so you lose. (laughs) It's a new word. It's in the green dictionary. But, but we understand the concept of being hungry for it. You see it in some... Ba- they seem to dig down. I was watching track and field yesterday. And when the, the athletes came off the corner, they were tied. And the youngest one on the track suddenly burst ahead. It was really crazy to watch because they're exactly in sync, three or four of them. All You know it's going to be a super close finish and all of a sudden this one, just the shortest, youngest one of the bunch, ran off and left the others and won by a long way. And it was kind of fun to watch. It's like she hit overdrive and they hit Uber drive or something like that. They just, they just didn't get going and she just ran off and left them. And so we understand that, that digging down. I've used this illustration here before of a parent who's exhausted, exhausted, finally getting into bed. All they can think about is trying to sleep for hours, and a child cries, a horrifying cry at the other end of the house. That parent is now awake and running down the hallway, fully alert. And so we understand what it means to dig down that. And the Lord is saying, listen, if you really want to be happy, you need to dig down on righteousness. You need to go after righteousness. The drive, the desire to be propelled not to victory in a simple sporting event. Not to win the piano competition or or the musical instrument competition or get a one on your solo and ensemble, but to win with Christ. So let me give you three mental pictures of this pursuit. Okay, these are just three. We could name dozens of them. I picked these three on purpose because these three are ones Jesus shared. Jesus talked about these in the scripture. So one is... Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So do you have a preference or a passion for the church? There's a difference. Do you want to regularly attend or do you want to faithfully serve? So this is one of the ways Christ said the church. Christ called the church his own body. The Apostle Paul told us Christ is the head of the church and we are the body. We are beloved with Christ. And so if we want righteousness by Christ's standard, this is one area. Another way Christ talked about is financial planning. Somebody said you can tell a lot about a person if you look at their checkbook and their calendar.'" Well, a lot of people don't have checkbooks anymore, but you know what? You have an online banking system, whatever. You can look at your values of where the money went out and where the time is being spent. And those are values. So Jesus repeatedly talked about money. In fact, Jesus talked about money so much, if the average preacher talked about money that much, people would think he's only after money. But nobody thought that of Jesus. He spent more time talking about money than about heaven and hell combined. It was very important to Jesus. And why? Jesus said, you have to choose. Put God first or money first. We live in a culture that says money first. You Give a little to God, money, but you really focus on money. So the Lord's in your financial planning are, is being generous toward God, your first priority. Or a lower priority. Jesus and Paul taught that it should be first. A third one, just three, these are from Jesus. We could name a bunch of other ones. You could think of ones I hadn't thought of, just three from Jesus. Is obeying God a priority in your life? Is obeying God a priority in your life? Jesus said his meat was to do the will of the Father. Is it a priority in your life? Well, Jesus said, it should be. Jesus said, it was more important than food. The priorities of Jesus reflected his righteous commitment to the Father. Do your priorities reflect a righteous commitment to the Father? I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm trying to get you to see what the Bible says. You'll be happier if you make a commitment to really live for the Lord. You'll be happier, you'll enjoy life more if you're pursuing righteousness with with a hunger and thirst. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness is not just about living well now. It's also about longing for heaven. Kathy and I were in a mall once and somebody was like drooling over everything in the mall and Kathy and I were thinking we're pretty bored here because neither one of us are shoppers, we're buyers there's a difference we go in, buy it and leave Uh, some people are shoppers they like to look and look and look and buy something here and buy something else there and take the first thing back and then decide to take the second thing back my mom was that way mom could spend days in a shopping mall Dad would sit and read a book while mom hit all the stores. But hunger and thirst after righteousness. And this friend that Kathy and I were with, I she acted like what she really wanted was to just get lots of money so she could go to all these stores and buy what she wanted. It wouldn't make her happy. If you had a list of a hundred things you wanted to buy, you're financial bucket list, and you got all those things, it wouldn't satisfy. In fact, if you had a bucket list of things you wanted to see, do, places to go, it wouldn't satisfy. My brother was a little concerned. He just hit the last item on his bucket list, (laughs) and now he doesn't know what to do. I said, why don't you try living? Um, But, you know, He's the one who just had the vertebrae replaced in his neck. He's having a lot of difficulties because of that. Thank you, those who are praying for him. But listen, no thing will satisfy. No human relationship will satisfy. Not that girlfriend, not that boyfriend, not that spouse, not that child it will not satisfy. The longing of your heart requires you to have a longing for the Lord and for for His ultimate promises. Second Peter 3.13, nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So we're not just Pursuing righteousness here, receiving the gift from the Lord, and then the pursuit of righteousness on earth. We're also longing for that day, some glorious day, when we'll be in His presence, in the presence of righteousness, in which righteousness dwells, the new heaven, the new earth, with righteousness. Then, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, the pure in heart. Following God is, there was a picture there. I don't know what happened. Don't worry about it. Uh, Following God is not a checklist of do's and don'ts. Following God is rooted in the passion of your soul. In fact, uh, take your Bible and turn over to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Following God is rooted in the passion of your soul. See, things on the inside, if we're following after righteousness, if we are uh, pursuing Him, if we're pure in heart, then things will change from the inside out. But all kinds of stuff take place on the inside. And have you ever known somebody that this person seemed like an honorable person and suddenly you found out they'd been stealing or... They'd been cheating, or they'd had an ongoing affair, or something like that. They seemed honorable. There was a church up in New England, I don't remember which state, and they had a little treasurer there, and she was a sweet lady, and she was treasurer for 33 years, and they just loved that lady. The church struggled, and when, when she finally retired, and they did a full audit they found out that over those 32, 33 years, she had stolen more than $300,000 from the church. Now, We don't have that here. We have the treasurer, and then we have other people who look at the financial reports and the statements, and then we have somebody who's not even connected with the signing of checks, and, then, and they audit everything that the other two groups have done. So that can't happen here. But don't you think that church was really surprised? And don't you wonder why she would do it? Did it make her happy? No chance. No chance. Because happiness comes from a passion for righteousness and being pure in heart. Uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Mark 7, 21. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. See, left on your own, you're going to do evil. Left on your own, your natural tendency is to lie a little bit or a lot. Your natural tendency is to cut corners. You will not naturally be righteous. You will not naturally be pure in heart. You have to pursue it. You have to chase after it. On purpose. Fear in heart begins with salvation. When your sins are forgiven, what's that illustration we sometimes use with kids? The wordless book. Your heart is black with sin, and the Savior comes in. He washes it white as snow through his blood. So it goes goes black, red, white. Eventually to green because that's heaven. Everything good ends in green. Say. But but God, our hearts are a mess. Our hearts are not right. And we have to work to get them right. And if you think, man, I've been doing everything good, and I'm God just loves me. When God looks down from heaven, He smiles and gives me two thumbs up. It's it's possible but only in incremental moments because we live in the flesh and we struggle. And so we're called to be saints. We're called to live a life of righteousness and holiness. But some days we're going to struggle. So we pursue righteousness. We pursue holiness. We pursue the Lord. We want to be pure in heart. Pure in heart begins with salvation, having our sins forgiven, but pure in heart is also connected to God fully so that those evil things that can take root in our heart, we're pushing them out and we're inclining our heart toward the Lord through his word, following the Spirit. David had a prayer of forgiveness after sin, and some of those things we read about in Mark were showed up in David's life, lasciviousness and lust and adultery and murder. They showed up in David's life, and David felt horrible for his sin, and he repented, and in Psalm 51.10, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. That's that pure heart. You don't have a pure heart just because you were born in America. You don't have a pure heart because your parents were wonderful people. You don't have a pure heart because you've been a Christian for 50 years. You have a pure heart because in your heart you're chasing after God. You're pursuing Him in a growing personal relationship. Isaiah described having a pure heart as being contrite or feeling guilty over your sin and then trembling at God's word or submitting yourself to the word of God to follow him. Only those who are hungry will be filled. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Nobody else You chase after money, you'll never be filled. You'll never be satisfied. You'll always want more. I have known men who chased after sexual relations, and they were never satisfied. Didn't matter how many affairs they had, how many relationships they had, they were never satisfied. They were always wanting more and more and more. I know people have chased after power, and they were never satisfied because nothing else can Only those who hunger and thirst after righteousness have the capacity to be filled. Because God designed, that's the only thing that satisfies on earth and in heaven is chasing after the Lord. Nothing else satisfies. Only those who are hungry will be filled. Only those who long for, have a heart for, pure in heart, for God, only those who long for God will see Him. I think it's interesting. We've had some astronauts. I shared an illustration from an astronaut recently, Colonel Irving Irwin. I can't remember. A couple of weeks ago, or uh, and, and he came back and he felt a passion to serve God uh, because he saw the awesomeness of God and. I've seen pictures from outer space. I've never been up there. I've stood on top of a few fairly high mountains where you've got a good view and you can see for a couple hundred miles in any direction. Uh, but I've never been to, into outer space, although I have been accused of being a little spacey, but that's another thing. Uh, but, but when you go out into outer space and the pictures they have, you see planet Earth and there's nothing. You know, Contrary to the ancient wisdom, there's no turtle with the Earth sitting on his back. There's nothing. Earth just hangs in space with nothing. Scientists still cannot figure out how everything just hangs. The best guess they have, it's just a perfect balance of energy, magnetism, and gravity that holds everything in place. But they don't know why. We know why. Because Colossians 1.16 said God created the earth and he holds it all together. But you get into outer space on a sh- and you look back and you see the earth and it's just hanging there. And a cosmonaut, Russian astronaut, went into outer space and he said, I see no evidence of God. And yet, when a believer goes into outer space, they see the awesomeness of God. The exact same evidence. One's a believer, one's a skeptic. The skeptic doesn't see. You see, when your heart is chasing after God, you'll see God. I say, oh, is he going to show up in my dressing room? No. You're not going to see him in the mirror. You're not going to come to him and come to church and see him here. But you'll see his hand in your life. You'll sense His heart guiding you. You'll see God because you're looking for Him. Let me give you one last illustration of that concept. I went hunting with my my brother-in-law, Tim Schaefer, uh, son of the former pastor here before I came. Uh, Tim Schaefer and I went hunting. Well, (laughs) I went hiking. He went hunting. Uh, And Tim... I, we're walking along looking for a deer, and it's not like those of you who have ever hunted in northern areas and up in wooded areas. You, you just build something, and you sit up in your tree, and you wait for it to walk by, and boom. And it doesn't happen out here. If you sit up in a tree, it's going to collapse because the trees are too small, but, but you have to go, and we're going up over this hill, and all of a sudden, Tim whips up his rifle, shoots. And I look where he shot and I see an ear of a deer. And we brought the deer back and I told the kids Uncle Tim shot Bambi and they were all upset. <laughs> and apparently Kathy was a little annoyed at that too. I'm not sure why, but But listen. You know how he saw the deer? He was looking to see parts of a deer. He saw a shape in the bush that didn't look natural growth and he thought there must be a deer and then he was already shooting before I even saw the ear of the deer. And if you look for God, you look for His hand, you pray to Him regularly, you talk to Him, you read His Word, you will see God. You're not going to see this amazing brightness of light because there's no darkness in God at all, but you're going to sense His presence with you. You're going to see His guiding hand keeping you out of trouble and keeping you on the right path. Only those who have a heart chasing after God will see Him. Happiness comes to those who have a strong desire to do what's right. A strong desire To do what's right. So do you want to be happy? Well, the Lord says, this is one of the ways. He has a list of things here. Ways if you really want to be happy, you're going to pursue this. And every one of them is contrary to what our earth says. Our world says, our culture says, the ways of man say, if you want to be happy, you got to look out for number one. And the scripture says exactly the same thing. The difference is, in Scripture, God is number one, and you are not. And man says, look out for number one, meaning look out for yourself. No, you look out for God, and He takes care of you. You walk with Him. He walks with you. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. You can meet with God. Now, maybe you're here this morning. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. This sounds weird. Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. And if we believe on Him and believe that Christ rose from the dead and believe that He was God the Son and the Son of God and He paid the penalty for our sin and we trust in Him, the Bible says God will remove all of our sins and we'll be forgiven and we'll become His child and we'll have a home in heaven, but between believing and trusting in Christ. And being with Him in heaven, He wants you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. He wants you to be pure in heart. He wants you to walk with Him, see Him, fellowship with Him. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden when they heard the voice of God and they walked with Him in the cool of the day, God wants to fellowship with you the same way. He wants to... Have you enjoy his presence? Have you pursue him, draw closer to him? And that's what brings happiness on earth. The happiest people on earth are the ones whose sins are forgiven and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And anybody pursuing anything else, they're only going to have temporary happiness, not lasting joy. So do you know Christ? Are you pursuing Christ? I want you to just pray. Just you and God. You talk to God. Ask God how you're doing. I shared three little standards that we have from the Word of God that Christ gave us. But you can ask God how you're doing. Your worth is not in what you own. It's in Christ and what he did at the cross. Father, we thank you that your word guides us to you. We needed the scripture to reveal God to man and to guide man back to God. We thank you for your word. We pray that we would learn it, memorize parts of it, follow it, obey it. And thank you that when we pursue you, we connect with you because you have been pursuing us. No matter where we are, you would like us to have a closer relationship with you. May we pursue that in our hearts this day. In Jesus' name, amen.